The universe is bigger than we can imagine. Look outward beyond the stars with six short stories from visionary best-selling authors. In these epic tales, an AI awakens to its purpose. A researcher sees a thousand new worlds for one more chance at love. And murder rocks the crew of an interstellar ship. With a sweeping sense of wonder, these short stories explore the galaxy and the horizons of humanity's potential. Authors include James S.A. Corey, Veronica Roth, Rebecca Roanhorse, Anne Leckie, Nettie Okorafor, and John Scalzi. Voyage Beyond the Stars with the Far Reaches Collection from Amazon Original Stories. Prime members read and listen for free. Learn more at Amazon.com slash Far Reaches. The U.S. Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash career slash USBP. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Good afternoon, passengers. Welcome aboard Frygate Airlines Flight 69 with a direct service to Palm Springs. Please direct your attention to our flight attendants for some fabulous announcements. We ask that you please fasten your seatbelt at this time and secure all baggage, including wig boxes, underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. We also ask that your seats and tray tables are in the upright position for takeoff, because we all know position is very important. Please turn off all personal electronic devices, including laptops and cell phones. And so help me, if I hear that grinder notification sound even once, I will land this plane myself. Smoking is also prohibited during the duration of the flight. There are six emergency exits on this aircraft. Take a minute to locate the exit closest to you. Know that the nearest exit may be behind you. Count the number of rows to this exit. Should the cabin experience sudden pressure loss, stay calm. Oxygen mass will drop down from above your seat. So will bottles of poppers. A few more announcements. Please completely disregard the monster that may or may not join us on the wing of the aircraft. Please ignore the passenger in 4A who is not actually an asshole, he's just possessed. Also, please refrain from drinking any mixed cocktail, as they're all poisoned. Please refrain from sex in the restroom. Our resident ghosts live there. We know you have many choices when you fly, so thank you for choosing Frygate Airlines, where our passengers always come first. And don't forget to turn on your entertainment consoles with a full menu of podcasts for your trip. We suggest episode 66, Flying is Terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message. To save America, Scott Socialism, and Scott China. Stay the fire we honor thee from life to death and right! real life. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! What do we want it? Let's go! What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes that is better. Sharon McInerney and her sons could be in for a long wait for the next flight. If there's 
something at 9.15. I'm going to stand by the whole damn day. Check another airline for me. American West, any place, anything. Just check another airline for me. I want to get out of Chicago today. Okay, what's Our flight was supposed to leave in 10 minutes, and we missed our flight, and they got nothing available. All day, you know? I'm going to miss a whole day at work for this. Got here late and didn't expect the line to be like this. Then it was a problem with the credit card, I guess, or something. I mean, they advised you to be here two hours before departure. You showed up 20 minutes before departure. Because the line? The line takes about 40 minutes, 40 to 50 minutes. Well, we've never been here before, so I didn't know this, okay? Welcome to Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Andrew. And I'm Maddie. And this is the podcast all about horror, horror in real life and in the movies. And tonight it is episode 66, and we are going to be going into everything flying. (laughs) If you added 600 to it, it would be episode 666. Did you know that? So maybe we'll get there one day. (laughs) One day, one day. It's the devil's number, the the number that we're all looking for. We better be making a salary if we're at 666 and we're still doing this thing. Hello, would you like to hear another episode? That's me as an old man doing it. Um, Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Flying. um, You know, Andrew, I've been flying a lot lately. I've been on many airplanes. um, So this should be fun to talk about. And I have not been on a flight in two and a half years. (laughs) That's, um, you know, it's going to change soon. Don't worry about it. But I'll tell you what, though, before we dive into this episode... We're going to start off where we always start, which is with the uh, certified terrifying corner. And today we have three things to share with you in the certified terrifying corner. The first one is thinking about the new lockdowns across Europe. Um, COVID is doing its thing again in, in like a fourth or a fifth wave. Who knows which wave it is anymore. And the lockdowns are um, are becoming a thing. Uh, I can tell you in Ireland, we're locking down a little bit harder, though not that much. But in countries like Austria and Belgium, they are locking down pretty hard with uh, also with uh, vaccine mandates, the first to hit Europe. Um, So people are protesting all over the place. It's a little scary over here right now, but I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, over here in the U.S., we are just continuing to do nothing about anything. (laughs) Yeah, like pretending like nothing ever happened. It is it's it's still mind boggling to me. Um, Anyways, our next item is Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted of all charges uh, last weekend in uh, in Wisconsin, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, It's it's a, a pretty terrifying thing, the way that that trial went. This judge was so incredibly biased. It was clear in everything that he said. Um, it's just, it's sickening. It's absolutely sickening. Um, the way now that there is precedent that people can just bring a gun with them, do whatever they want. And then later say, yep, it was self-defense. Yeah. I, I don't think that it, and I think you kind of, our, our, our listeners know where we kind of stand on this, I'm sure. But I, I think that the fact that he went hunting, he went hunting yep. for these people, um, and I don't care who he shot. I don't care what their background was. Nobody deserves to be shot. Um, that's the that's the common thing I see on Twitter that people are kind of defending him against. Is like, well, that guy was a felon, and well, that guy was this, and it's just like that's not the point. Um, what happens next time when 
you know, you are out with your family and you happen to walk through an area where there is a protest and you just become a bystander. And, yeah. it, and it's it's as easy as that. And they could just say, like, well, they, they had a gun on them. If, you know, if you're an open carry yeah. state or whatever, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It, well, and see, and that's just it. it. It's open carry, right? That's the problem. Because, listen, the, the self-defense laws were created when people weren't open carrying. So self-defense laws were primarily made for people when they were at their house, right. not when they were not when they were carrying an AR fucking 15 through the streets of a major city in, in Wisconsin, looking literally looking for a fight. This kid is a he's a piece of garbage. He, he he's ruined, absolutely ruined lives. He ruined a community. And um, I, you know what? Look, one day he's going to pay for it. One day he will pay for it. Yeah, um, it's really, just disgusting. <laughs> it's totally disgusting. Really sad story last weekend, too, is uh, a car, uh, speaking of Wisconsin again, a car drove through a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, actually now killing six and leaving um, over 40 wounded. Uh, this was a police chase. Um, I forget the guy's name, but they did just finally release it. And um, he, they were chasing him after a call. And he, he's actually done this before. He ran over a woman last year. And um, this time he decided that he was going to drive through a Christmas parade and kill a bunch of people. Yeah, Terribly it's just uh, terror in Wisconsin this week, I guess. Is the, uh, yeah. It's kind of like, what the fuck, Wisconsin? What's going on up there? But um, yeah, this is a really sad one. And I actually think that they just updated the number this morning to 62 the people six. were injured. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, various of injuries, but it's still something that didn't need to happen. And it was when people were very vulnerable just watching a parade. And it was a lot of elderly people that were killed. Um, a lot of volunteer people that were killed, and it was just really sad. Well, and, and also, it, updated today, there was a child killed, six years yeah, old. Yeah. yeah so, youngest. stop doing this, <laughs> people. Yeah. So, anyways, folks, that is the uh, the gobble gobble terrifying things. I said gobble gobble because guess what? You're hearing this, and you probably just had Thanksgiving. In fact, you're probably eating Thanksgiving leftovers right now, aren't you? Um, so yeah, listen, those were some awful things and we have some more awful things to talk about. Let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about those next, but completely in context of flying. So Andrew, um, let's start with, with your stuff. Um, you have a really fun ghost story to tell, don't you? Sure. Yeah. Um, so this is the ghost of flight 401. Were you familiar with this story before? You know, when when I was doing a little bit of research for the for for this episode, that I saw that headline on Google, but I didn't click on it. Got it. Okay, so this follows the 1972 Eastern Airlines Flight 401 crash. So at the time, this claimed 101 lives when when it kind of crashed into the Florida Everglades. This wow. was the most deadly crash of a plane up until this point. So there's Jeez. been more after this, but up until this point, um, including those of Captain Robert Bob Loft and flight engineer Donald Don Repo. Um, Many parts of the plane. Can I I, I just say really quick too, I love how um, when like when you get a news story and it's like the guy's name was Donald Don Repo. It's like, we know it. Like we know where it comes from. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I know. 
Oh, it's in quotes or whatever. <laughs> Anyways, go um, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so much like I forget whose car this was. Wasn't it James Dean car that was cursed? I yes. believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so much like that, many parts of the plane, especially those in the galley, were deemed reusable, and they were therefore salvaged and installed on other planes on Eastern's fleet, which I don't think Eastern Airlines is even around anymore. It's not. No. No. It's been gone for quite a while. Um, that is when the alleged paranormal appearances began. Um, on planes where the salvaged parts had been installed, the ghosts of Bob Loft and Don Repo started to turn up. Oh, my God. Uh, in one instance, the story goes that an airline VP um, had a pleasant conversation with a man in a captain's uniform shortly after boarding. He realized halfway through that that he recognized the man as the deceased captain, Bob Loft. Wow, crazy. Uh, in another tale, a flight attendant reported seeing the face of Don Repo on an oven door. God, that's terrifying. <laughs> um, well, you know, those like little ovens on the plane. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. It's still funny, though. Um, she grabbed two other members of the crew to come take a look just in time to hear the specter say, watch out for fire in this plane. Oh my goodness! Sure enough, the engine failed, and on the return flight, it was sh- and was shut down before catching fire. So he was giving her a warning. Wow! Uh, it didn't take long before these stories st- um, and of these ghostly encounters began to circulate, almost always sharing a common thread. These friendly phantoms were trying to protect the planes and those aboard. Um, so even in their ghostly beings, they were still trying to be a captain. Um, these sightings weren't limited to just the crew either. They were several reports of passengers seeing ghosts as well. Um, and eventually the threat, the threat of bad press basically prompted the airline to remove all the salvaged parts from the affected jets. And that didn't, however, halt the release of the book, the ghost of flight 401, as well as a TV movie by the same title, which I never heard of. I have not seen that. So yeah, that is the ghost of Flight 401. So a captain that was killed on his own flight and death, he still serves to protect the people of those flights. Well, God bless him, Captain Bob Loft. Um, Lord knows where those parts are now. Hopefully not on the planes that I fly on. That that would be some old parts. I'm hoping that doesn't ever happen. So my other one is all about Amelia Earhart. We all know the story of Amelia Earhart. She's the first woman to fly over the Atlantic, um, and she was the first woman to, to attempt to go around the world in, in a plane. Um, she was a she was a very headstrong woman and known in many circles uh, as she was going to get this done. Um, and there are many theories of what happened to her. There's the theory that she landed on a different island and kind of just starved. There's a theory that she crashed into the ocean and drowned. There's a crazy theory that she was a, a spy and went and spied on the Japanese and then was re- later returned. One. Yeah, later returned to New Jersey to take someone else's life. Um, that woman ended up suing the man that wrote the book about that. <laughs> so, Jeez, oh, um, so there's a lot of really crazy conspiracy theories around Amelia Earhart and what happened happened to her and honestly at this point we we will never know truly what happened um there is one crazy one that i discovered that i wanted to share with our audience because it was just so out there that i had to to share 
So in the area of the South Pacific where Earhart disappeared, it's reportedly a hotbed for alien activity. Um, Conspiracy theorists imagine that the Easter Island heads were actually built by aliens using lasers, that there's a skyscraper built by the extraterrestrial at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, and that the frog-like statues on the of Marquesa Island, um, of the Marquesa Island, uh, depict an ancient alien race. Wow. Um, some conspiracy theorists say that Amelia Earhart, while flying over the Pacific, made contact with the aliens, and they and the the claim is that the aliens took Amelia Earhart to another planet, cryogenically froze her, then later on um, defrosted her for biological exams, and then some, and then that somehow led to the founding of an entire off-world civilization of alien aviators. You know, look, I love aliens and ufos um it's a big thing for me sometimes things are just a little too crazy that that i think might be one of them for me you gotta give them credit for being creative though (laughs) yeah no 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 i do for sure um wow okay so i love how it just ends with an entire off-world civilization of alien aviators that's just um (laughs) God bless them. Really, really going for their calling, you know. Well, Andrew, those were wonderful stories. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I have um, uh, a little bit more uh, grounded in in recent history here. Um, a bit of uh, a bit of uh, ephemera about the worst passengers of 2020. Thought this would be fun to share, um, especially, uh, you know, like I said, I've been on a lot of planes. I think I've been on like 10 planes in the last like month and a half. Um, and I can tell you that, you know, if you haven't traveled in a while, don't worry. Travel is just as awful as you remember in most ways. Um, and yeah. people, people are pretty shitty out there. Yeah, we were actually just talking with um, our, our friend Megan, who's an actual flight attendant. Yeah. Um, and she has been saying that, you know, it's really bad right now. And she has actually, she's actually refused flights out of Texas from now on. Wow. um, Because it's just really bad right now with people not wanting to mask or really like defying the flight attendants for various reasons. And so yeah, "Yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. So yeah, I I was just, just in Houston twice actually. And just the past couple of weeks. Um, But uh, thinking about last year, because they haven't actually done the list for this year yet. This is the worst passengers of 2020 from Forbes. Uh, The author here is Laura Bagley Bloom from their December, 2020 issue. Looking forward to next month's Worst Passengers of 2021. But I picked out a few here that I thought people might like to hear about. The first one is a New Year assault. The year started off badly on a January United Airlines flight from Washington, Dulles to Newark. Not a long flight. According to reports, a 28-year-old passenger assaulted a flight attendant. Then, to make matters worse, he charged at responding police when the plane doors opened causing the officers to fall down a set of stairs and land on the pavement. You are a dick, you 28-year-old son of a bitch. Next one here is about masks. Um, After the pandemic kicked in, there were a myriad uh, of stories of passengers revolting over mask policies. Everyone knows this. And uh, from a woman who refused to wear a mask on a Las Vegas-bound Southwest Airlines flight, causing the flight to deplane in Nashville, to the passenger who slapped a flight attendant over Delta's mask policy, to the easy jet passenger who coughed on other passengers and shouted, everybody dies. 
Like, awesome. What the living fuck is wrong with you? Now, here's one here. Uh, oh, and this will reflect on our on our uh, our our movies later on. There's a man on the wing of this plane. In the what was he thinking category was the 41-year-old guy who snuck onto the tarmac at McCarran International and climbed onto the wing of an Alaska Airlines flight. He stayed there for almost 45 minutes before he fell onto the tarmac. People have gone absolutely nuts. So right wait, now. wait, 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 wait. So he just went out there and like hung out on the wing or did it take start to take off and he fell off? That is, I, that's what I think it was, is that he stayed there until it started to take off, but that motherfucker was just sitting there doing nothing. Like, what, like, what are you doing? Why, do you, why did you need to be there? But also, now here, how did they not see him? <laughs> well, that too. Now, here's one sort of akin. She needed some air. The Las Vegas wingman wasn't alone. In September, a woman on a flight operated by Ukraine International Airlines claimed she was too hot and needed to get some fresh air. So she popped out the emergency exit and crawled out on the wing of the plane. What? Are you kidding me? How is that even possible, for one thing? I don't don't even understand it. Now, uh, another one here, a nudist on board on a United Express flight from Jacksonville, which is like the worst place in the world, to Houston, the other worst place in the world, a drunk 25-year-old woman stripped down to her underwear after getting into a fight with another passenger. This made the flight make an emergency landing in Mobile, Alabama, the other worst place in America. Like, what the (laughs) fuck? Now, the absolute worst, though, is this. The most egregious passenger incident of all has to be the man who boarded a United flight from Miami to Los Angeles, knowing that he was positive for COVID. Uh, the husband died of cardiac arrest mid-flight because he had COVID. And now other passengers on board were exposed to the flight, and they all exhibited system, uh, symptoms afterward. Awesome. That's like the guy. I, that? That's like the guy. I forget when it was. It was early on in the pandemic. He was on a TikTok or something, you know, uh, and he was saying yeah. that he he was positive, but he was walking through a Walmart without like any mask or anything. And he's like, I don't care, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, oh, my God, why are people so mean? Why are we why are we such an awful existence? <laughs> like just just absolutely awful. Now, th- that was a bit about the worst passengers, right? Now, one thing that I've always prided myself on is I'm actually a pretty fucking good passenger on an airplane. I do what you tell me. I don't cause a ruckus. I am never rude to a flight attendant. I just like sit down. I have my flight. I like to get my stuff. You know what I mean? I like to have my drinks. I like to get my snacks or my food. I like to have the seat that I like. I never switch seats. If people ask me, I'm always like, no, I won't switch seats with you actually because my name is here. It ha- I have to stay here. So I'm a good passenger. And I was thinking about some experiences that I have had with flying. I know, Andrew, you did too. And so I'm wondering if we could just kind of share back and forth on these categories that we came up with. Yeah. And I will say that I am terrified of airports, not because of 
the plane or flying or anything like that. But you, as many listeners know, I'm an intense rule follower and there are just so many rules in the airport that I'm afraid I'm going to break with security and TSA and all that stuff that I'm just so scared. So I am like stressed out at the airport at all times. So it's funny. Andrew, when, you are you are going to pop when you go to, to an airport again. You, I, I know. seriously, you thought there were rules before. There's like 30 more you have to follow now. God, um, but yeah, and, and, and so it gets to a point where I get so stressed out that as the plane is taking off, I can't even tell you how many times I always fall asleep when the plane is taking off because I think my body's oh, finally God. like, okay, well, you can relax now. <laughs> Jeez, you know the the thing about all of it too is that I really truly do love flying. Like I I love to be on an airplane. I love the way that it just it causes you to travel such great distances in such little time. I mean, I know that's elementary, but it's just still such an amazing thing to me, and I absolutely love it. But there were some things that that aren't great, right? And we'll talk about those in these. So first off, what was our longest flight? What was yours? So mine was a series of flights because this okay. like really it was all in the same day. So I kind of counted it as my longest one. I'll um, give that to you. Um, our plane was delayed when we were coming back from Grenada, and they literally this was this was the 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 route that they put us on to finally get us home. They made us go from Grenada, which is down in town in the, in the below Florida uh, to Toronto in Canada. So we had to go through um, whatever you call it. Um, Canadian claims or whatever immigration. So then we had to go to Cleveland. So we had to go then through us customs again. And then from Cleveland, we had to go to Chicago and that took about 12 hours. Um, and it was awful. <laughs> wow. The good thing is that you got to, you actually got to get off the plane. I was on my longest flight, 13 hours to Honolulu. That was, that was a flight where I literally thought I was going to go fucking insane. It, it, the winds were so bad that day. Um, and, and that there, there were other delays that like caused us to be in the air for that long. That was fucking nuts. And that, I don't know I, if I could do that. That's like, it, in- it's hard. You, you, what, what you have to do is you have to like get up. You have to get up a lot. You, you if you just sit there the whole time, you're, you're going to be miserable. So I had to get up and just pace back and forth a lot. And if I, as long as I did that, I was pretty much okay. But when I got off that flight, I, I got the first bottle of wine I could and just drank that motherfucker as quickly as I could. That's like watching six movies <laughs> yeah, in a row. It's a lot. Now, what, what was your worst flight? So I, I kind of put this under the craziest flight because I don't really have like a worst flight. I've never had like a flight that had really bad turbulence or like anything super okay. awful. I really haven't. Well then, well, then save that one then. My, yeah. my, wor- my worst flight was Houston to Roatan. Um, it was the worst flight because I was with my ex-fiance. His name was Ben. And Ben had to pee all the time. He just like could not control his bladder. And so, of course, we were all hungover because we hung out in Houston the night before. We sit down on this rickety-ass flight going to Roatan, which is a, an island off of the coast of Honduras. And as soon as we start to take off, Ben is taking off his seatbelt and standing up. Like, I want you to think about this. We are not, we're not even in the air yet. We're rocketing down the fucking tarmac, fucking about to take off. And, he's, I, and I'm begging him to sit down. He won't do it because he needs to go pee. So somehow the flight attendants allowed him to run to the bathroom and go pee 
while we were taking off. Oh my gosh. It was awful. It was terrible. It was ter- that, that, that whole trip was a fucking nightmare, but that was awful. And another reason why I'm so glad I never have to see his face again. Now, <laughs> let's, skip, let's skip to the next category, which is what was your best flight? My best flight uh, was from Chicago to San Francisco and San Francisco back to Chicago. They were kind of both really great because uh, we were offered kind of a a pay upgrade. So we paid, I think, like $60, I think it was, like nothing super yeah, expensive. Sure. And we had like everything. And it was like all Ooh. the movies, all like unlimited drinks, unlimited food, like anything you wanted. It was like all included in this like little $60 upcharge. And it was Ugh. honestly, I've never had that before. And we were also in like the um, exit seat. So it was like a little bit wider. Ooh, so it was yeah. like, I don't know. I felt like I was in the lap of luxury and it was probably just like a normal experience for most people. But Oh, hell yes, girl. Amen. Uh, my My best flight, just in terms of comfort, was my my flight from Chicago to Dublin when I moved here. Um, and not even about like emotional stuff or whatever. It was just great because there was truly on this gigantic airplane, there were like six of us. Oh, that's so nice. I sat in like the, like, I, I wrote American or I flew American and um, like they have a new sort of like premium economy section. And I sat right in the front And those seats are so nice now. And it was unlimited whatever I wanted. And it was fantastic. I felt like a fucking prince on that flight. It was wonderful. So that was really, really good. Now, what about best service? Um, Best service kind of goes along the same lines of what the flight I was just talking about. Because those were both Virgin American flights. And Um, those Virgin American flights, I've taken four now. And they've all been just great like just so easy well and guess what? You, you'll be able to fly to space soon with them too nice um but the the nice thing is is um when we were on our way to there it was like you there was the plane was only about like half full yeah so sure. instead of doing traditional like service like where they would have to go down the aisle with the cart and all this blah 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 pomp and circumstance they literally just uh called over the thing and they were like if you want something just order it on your little screen in front of you and we'll bring it to you and i was like God. this is amazing <sighs> God bless America. Uh, best service for me, I would say, on on airplanes is either American Airlines or Hawaiian Airlines. Hawaiian Airlines, I've flown, I've flown a few times. Um, they're just, as you might guess, they are ridiculously nice people, like insanely nice. And when you get on a, on a Hawaiian flight, everyone gets a Mai Tai. It's wonderful. It's just, like oh, a that's cute, nice. it's just a cute little thing. And listen, their planes are old as shit, but it's a lot of fun to fly. Now, um, what's the worst service you've ever had? Yeah, worst service. Unfortunately, it's your favorite. So um, I just and I haven't flown American probably for 15 years, but I had such a bad experience on yeah, with, get it. With, with the service on that that I like vowed to never <laughs> to do, it, sure. do it again. So yeah, American was kind of my my worst experience just from the lack of attention from any anything. It just felt like yeah. we didn't it just it felt like we didn't get drinks until we were on our like decline into oh, that's the, awful. It, it was just it was just not a good experience. Yeah, my, mine on this one, and it's kind of the same thing for me. I haven't flown this in probably also about 15 years, but was Frontier. I The last time I flew Frontier was the first time I flew them as well. I hated it so much. I hated the flight attendants. I hated everything about it. And I was like, you know what? Never flying this fucking airline again. And I haven't. That's yeah. it. Um, so what is your kind of never fly again besides the one we just talked about? Like what's one that when you're looking on like, um, uh-huh. you know, like one of the websites or whatever, you're like, nope, not that airline. You just check it off immediately. Oh, yeah. Easy, simple. Southwest. Never. I, I hate Southwest. The last time I flew Southwest was actually with you uh, to Vegas. 
The reason why I hate Southwest is this. I cannot take the way that they board airplanes. I hate it. I don't like a cattle call. I have to have a seat. And in the way that they do seats, even if you can get a reserved one, drives me fucking up the wall. I just, I cannot fly Southwest. It drives me nuts. Yeah, I cannot stand um, when they just have like it open, like, and everyone's oh, wow. just like, it, it drives me crazy. Um, mine is Spirit Airlines because oh, I can't God. stand the nickel and diming of Spirit Airlines because Same. they they pull you in with this false sense of like, look how cheap it is, and then they're like, but if you want to bring out a bag, it's this much, and if you want to be able to use the bathroom, it's this much, and if you yeah. like- <laughs> and, and if if you want to breathe, you know, pay us fifty bucks. It's so stupid. Yeah, I hate I hate that airline so much. Sorry for anybody that works on Spirit. <laughs> Sorry, Spirit. So, do you have a uh, a favorite seat or a place in the plane that you prefer to seat? Like when you're doing your seating assignment? Sure, fucking do. It's the first row of whatever premium economy you have on the aisle. Oh, premium economy! Look at you, princess. <laughs> Well, absolutely. Oh, I'll tell you what, you know, a lot of flights that I do anymore are long haul. I mean, anything, anything over like three hours, like I have to have leg room because I got to stretch my fucking gigantic ass out. So if I can get that seat, I'm pretty good. For me, I usually look at it as an exit strategy. So I try to be in like towards the middle, but like up near the the front. If I can, those seats usually go pretty quick, but it's more about, I can't stand the way planes are deboarded how everyone it's it's just like it's very stressful to me that it's like some people are trying to get out first and then there's people that are just following the instructions oh, yeah. and kind of going in their turn and it's just like can you just do stop can you just relax? It's, it's, like it's another reason to get up front baby because i'm like get me the fuck out of here because also what i can't stand are people and their fucking carry-ons because no one knows how to bring on a carry-on and put it up the way that it's supposed to be. So, of course, when they're getting off the plane, it's also a gigantic mess. It just drives you fucking crazy, you know? I agree. <laughs> um, did, did you, have, you, have you had a, a most expensive flight? Oh, yeah. I, I think we both have the same one, don't we? Oh, yeah. I didn't even see it. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what is it? Oh, well, we've both been to Hawaii, and that is definitely the most expensive, um, especially coming from Chicago, where you have to either pay extra for the direct or kind of like pay the (laughs) little bit less to get somewhere, but it's not much. Um, The great thing for me is that work always paid for those, so I never had to pay for one flight, which is good. Now, what was your craziest flight? So when I was a kid, we were on our way to Orlando to go to Disney, and we had to make a connection in Atlanta. And we were on a commercial flight, obviously, and we went to go in to, you know, land and uh, a non, what do you call that? Like somebody that didn't report into like the station or whatever on a private plane swung in in front of us and (gasps) basically cut us off from landing and we had to do an emergency lift up and so oh we were, it was God, basically Jesus. like skimming the tarmac and then going back up and then having to do a complete what do you call like a complete sideways to go all the way back around so it felt like you were in, oh my god i don't know if you've ever been on like a sailboat when it was but when a sailboat when you're inside and it gets all the way on the wave and you're like on oh, your yeah. on your side that's what it was like on the plane so me as like a 13 year old kid was I'm crapping my pants. <laughs> so. Of course. My God, yes. I'll tell you what. Uh, only in Florida would you have some asshole do that. Um, my craziest, also I'm glad you're not dead. 
my craziest flight was Palm Springs to O'Hare. Andrew, you know the story already. Oh yeah. But just to, <laughs> so just to give the um the 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 condensed version for listeners, um we we were in Palm Springs just shortly before the pandemic hit. And it was really lovely because it was warm and it, we were at this beautiful house and we were having drinks and there was a pool and blah, 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 right? And I did not want to go back to Chicago. So I went to a gay bar in Palm Springs called uh, The Tool Shed. Which well, is it didn't, exactly- didn't probably help that you knew that we were staying like a couple more days. Well, and that too. So I went to a bar called The Tool Shed. Andrew and Michael met me over there. And I proceeded to get wasted, like like just absolutely wasted. And I had also smoked some weed earlier. Um, so I was high, I was drunk. And when it was finally time for me to absolutely go, I got sent in this car off to PSP. And once I was there, I went to the bar again because I was like, let's have another beer. Sure. And watch golf or something. And then um, it's all a little hazy after that. I'm not going to lie. I woke up on the plane and I woke up by literally shooting up as though I had just had a nightmare. Like I just like (gasps) sat up and I looked around me, didn't really understand what was going on. And I asked the woman next to me um, if we had left Palm Springs yet. And she looked at me and she just said, yes, we're flying. (laughs) <laughs> and then I went right back to bed. Um, I should say it just passed out of my seat again. And that's funny, right? Because I know that somewhere that lady is probably telling the same story just from, from the other perspective. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh man, one time there was this drunk weirdo on the plane. So yeah, that was um, my craziest flight. I also thought that I lost my luggage on that flight and had an anxiety attack. Um, it was a lot of a day. And then I got home and it was snowing like hell so that's my story that's where i'm gonna leave it stick into it <laughs> stick into it baby that's it. Um, no that's that's crazy um yeah i mean flying you know i think that they you know we don't really none of us either even have uh like a fear of flying or anything um so we can't really talk about like that aspect of it but um I know that that is a big fear that people have is flying and um, hopefully everyone can get a little time to get over that fear, get over the COVID fear, hopefully, and get back to traveling. Yeah. You know, listen, what, what I'll tell you as somebody who, who has been traveling quite a bit now after, you know, in whatever phase of, of living we are in now, I, I don't even know what to call it anymore, is look, if you are afraid, if you, I mean, I really do mean this. If you are afraid to get on a plane right now, if you're afraid to go to the airport, if you're afraid to travel, I get it. What I can tell you though, is that like the airlines are actually all doing a pretty damn good job. Truly. Like number one, you, you can't even get anywhere. Like you, you, you can't get past like the reception desks. If you either don't have a PCR test or if you are not vaxxed, like period, it's not even possible. And like, once you get into the airport, Honestly, like I know like Texas might be bad, but even when I was in Houston a, a, a few weeks ago, it, people were pretty much following the rules. Um, even in Puerto Vallarta when I was there, like people were mostly following the rules. I think that everyone is doing it right. The airlines are doing it right. When you're on the plane, they don't put up with shit. So, you know, I just say all of that to say like, hey, don't be too scared. If, if you're thinking about traveling, honestly, just fucking do it. Just pull that lever and go because you're, you're going to be okay, truly. Well, I think that ends our horror in real life section. 
We will take our first break, and we'll be right back with What You Been Watching, Bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And welcome back, folks, to everyone's favorite segment. It's What You Been Watching, Bitch. What You Been Watching, You Flying Bitch. You flying bitch, you big weirdo, you. This is the section of the show, the portion of the show, the segment of the show, whatever you want to call it, where Andrew and I literally just tell you what uh, what we've been watching. That's literally all this is. So it's pretty easy. Um, so just don't worry about it. Just kick back. Open that beer. Yeah, go ahead. It's all right, buddy. And just listen to what we've been watching, you little bitch. Now, Andrew, you little bitch, tell us what you've been watching. So the first one that I uh, am a little late to the game on, I'll be honest with you, I think it came out like a month or two ago, um, is Only Murders in the Building. Uh, This is on Hulu, and it stars Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. They are all um, co-executive producers on it, so they all kind of created it together. Which is kind of weird when you think about how did those three, like I get Steve Martin and Martin Short, but how did Selena Gomez Where did Selena Gomez come from? Like, (laughs) how did... How did that dice get thrown in there? But this is about three people that all live in a New York building um, and a murder occurs. And these two take it upon themselves to start a podcast about the murder and try to solve it. Um, And so it's really cool. It's really fun. Um, It's really light. I mean, it sounds like it wouldn't be because it's about a murder, but it's actually like, I mean, it's Steve Martin and Martin Short. I mean, you're looking at comedy gold right there. So it's really fun. I would definitely encourage it if you haven't gotten around to watching it. That is uh, Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Okay. Uh, Can I get Hulu over here, Andrew? So thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing, Hulu. Uh, my first one, well, we'll go to my my streaming one first, is Tiger King 2 on Netflix. Um, watched this on Sunday night when I got home from a little overnight trip to Cork. Um, Tiger King 2 is exactly what you think it is. It's just more of Tiger King 1, really, in the end, except he's in jail. Um, so it focuses on kind of like everybody else in the story. Um, you know, it, it's not bad. It's just that like, it, eventually you're kind of like, is this, when is this ever going to end? Yeah. And the, the thing about that though, is that it's at, it's actually, it's not ever going to end. And I think that's almost part of it is like, it's, it's never going to end. Like this is the show, you know, my, my, my friend Beth is staying with me right now. And, and she asked me when we were done watching it, she was like, well, what's the most like, like outrageous part of this to you? Like, well, you know, was it this part? Was it this part? And I said, you know, I think the most outrageous part to me is that it's just so American. Like it's just, this is just America. Like it's, it, we, we pretend like it's not, we pretend like it's like some kind of crazy thing, but actually no, that's just like fucking capitalism gone rampant right there. That's exactly what this fucking shit is. Um, and it's almost strange that anything even surprises us anymore or even shocks us. So, you know, look, uh, if you watch Tiger King one, yeah, watch Tiger King two. You can watch it like in, in an evening, in, in an extended evening. Um, what I can tell you is that you don't, you don't really get a whole lot out of it, but look, it'll be good fun for you. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know if I'll watch this to be honest with you. I've got a lot of shows to watch and this is like very far down on my list, but, um, it just didn't feel like there was enough oomph to give it a second season. Like we wrapped up a lot in that first little thing. I think what Netflix was 
I think what Netflix was banking on was people that watched and binged that first one wanting more. And I don't think it's very popular. I haven't heard anybody else talk about it except for you, to be honest. Um, So we'll see if there's even will be like a Tiger King three or anything like that. Who knows? Who knows? My second one is on sci-fi. You can watch it on sci-fi or USA. They're doing like a weird split with this one, but it is the new Chucky series. Oh, fun. Um, It is a continuation, which I did not expect, of the last movie. So if you watched Cult of Chucky, uh, it is a extension of that movie into a 10-part TV series. Okay. Um, They bring back a ton of people, but they also offer you a whole new cast of characters, including Devin Sawa as a dad. Oh, nice. (laughs) And the main character is queer. He's gay. And I he did has, hear this. He has a little crush on his friend, and he his friend uh, is a little like murderino. He kind of like has his own little podcast about doing stuff in the in Hackensack, um, and it's all about Chucky coming back to his roots. So he comes back to Hackensack um, to kind of I don't we don't know what his motive is yet. We're only like halfway through the season at this point, but he's coming back for something. But they bring back a ton of people from the original series. So if you are a fan of Don Mancini's work on the Child's Play series, which I just think above anything else, it is kind of incredible. They've kept the same creator the entire time. Oh, for sure. So I would definitely give this a watch. It's uh, a big thumbs up from me. I think that they're doing something really different and really cool, but also keeping kind of the, the Chucky spirit alive. As they as Billy Joel once said, who needs a house out in Hackensack? Um, my next one is The French Dispatch, the new film from Wes Anderson. I saw this one at Lighthouse Cinema. You can go to your local cinema, although I assume it's probably going to be on streaming very, very soon as well. Uh, the French Dispatch is uh, it's it's good. You know, I, it's if you're a Wes Anderson fan, you're going to like it. Um, it. Folks in it do very well. It's it's the same cast of characters that you would normally expect, right? Bill Murray, um, and you know all the rest of them. Francis McDormand is in this, and um, Luke Wilson, um, and uh, 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 Timothy Chalamet is in this. Um, so so Jeffrey Wright. Some really oh, uh, and Liev Schreiber. The more just keep coming to me. The more the more that I keep speaking. Um, it's a good movie. Um, it's not the thing about Wes Anderson films um, ever since uh, The Life Aquatic is that I'm just always looking for the next Royal Tenenbaums. And Royal Tenenbaums is one of just my favorite films of all time. I think it's just perfection. Um, I think Life Aquatic is also absolutely astoundingly good, as is Rushmore, as is Bottle Rocket. Um, and I just haven't felt the same way ever since, right? Um, and the French Dispatch is kind of the same way for me there too, although I think it's a really great go of it. Um, the design, of course, is perfect, as you would expect from Wes Anderson. Bill Murray is great. Uh, Timothy Chalamet, wonderful. Francis McDormand, absolutely wonderful. Jeffrey Wright, fantastic. Liev Schreiber, really good too. So some really great performances. Um, I really loved it. But look, if you don't like Wes Anderson, you're not going to like it. So just leave it there. Yeah, this is what this is one of the things and of many. Let, let me just preface that one of the many things that I miss about you living here is that I could just send Michael to go watch these movies with you. Yeah, so I didn't have to sure, watch them. Right. right. Uh, this is just not, um, you know, it's not I your see, thing. Yeah, well, I see and I see why people like them. I just they're a little too samey a lot of time for me. Um, sure. But I mean, that's just my my personal opinion. So that's awesome. I'm glad that you got to go to the theater and see it. Yeah. Um, my next one is another reboot uh, to a TV show. Um, I know what you did last summer on Amazon Prime. Uh, 
This is an interesting one because what are you waiting for? Tell us what you think. I'm Did not going to say yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I'm not going to say it's good because it's not it's not good, but it's kind of like trashy in that weird way that keeps you watching. Okay. So like I watched the whole season, but after every episode I was like, do I want to keep watching this? And then the next Friday night I'd be like, I can't wait to watch. I know what you did last summer. Oh so my god. So I don't know what's going on in my brain with this one and I can't really tell you if you like it or I would give it 3 episodes. If you can watch 3 okay. episodes and you you still don't like it, I could say you could stop, but like there's a certain way that they're doing this that just keeps you wanting more but you don't know why if that's the best way to describe it. But I mean, all the acting is fine. It's just, it's a very different story. The really, the only thing that you get from the original movie is that they hit someone with their car and they cover it up. That's the only thing that's really the same from the original movie. Everything else is wildly different. So, I mean, give it a try. I I ended up liking the series. But when I look back at like everything that happened, I was like, wow, that is a pile of garbage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure I have room to eat any garbage right now. But maybe maybe on a dark, sad, lonely Sunday night. We'll see. It takes place in Hawaii, if that helps. Oh, oh, good. Good. Yes, yes. Now, my next one is another film. I've, I saw three films in the past couple of weeks, like actually wow. like at the cinema, uh, is Spencer. So Spencer, I saw this also at Lighthouse in Dublin. Um, Spencer is awesome. Spencer is the story of Diana Spencer, Princess Diana. Um, this is Kristen Stewart playing Princess Diana. Kristen Stewart is fucking awesome in this role i cannot tell you enough how great she is if she wins the oscar for best actress i will not be surprised now the thing about this movie that's different from other sort of like stories about diana or the royal family is this this is a fantasy this is not what really happened this is talking about one of her last christmases at sandringham house in in england um and that's where the royal family spends every christmas um so she 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 it's 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 just about her her day basically huh. like getting there being there and then leaving um it is beautiful it's almost like a ballet in a lot of ways um the the dialogue is so well written there are these beautiful little moments that just happen all over there are there are parts with her and just just the kids that play the boys and the, the kids that play the boys harry and william are fucking great they're so so good hmm. um and it's just it's just this beautiful it's just this beautiful little thing i just i absolutely loved it i walked out of the, the out of the cinema just like feeling good about like film and life and like i was immediately like getting the soundtrack on spotify so i could listen to it and like walk home with it um i loved it you know it look if if you really hate royal family shit like d- listen you're not gonna like it don't go see it but if you're in any way shape or form into it you should see it and if you can see it in the theater i would do it there cool i'm yeah i didn't even know this i knew that she was going to be cast as princess diana i had no idea this was i had no idea this was a thing so oh she's so good in that she's wonderful 
my last one, it just premiered on Showtime. We've only gotten two episodes so far, but even even in that amount of time, I know that I'm going to love this series, and that is Yellow Jackets on Showtime. Um, Yellow Jackets is a little bit alive, if you remember that movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, and a little bit Lord of the Flies, if you know that. Oh, movie. yeah. Okay. Um, it, is, it is about a, uh, a group of teenagers who are going to soccer finals, and they charter a private jet and the jet goes down and it's all about them surviving but that's not the perspective that it's shown from the perspective that it's shown from is them as adults kind of confronting (sighs) one another about hey what really went on there because as, as they kind of have told the newspapers and everything it was just like plane went down people died we got we got um saved 19 months later that's like the, oh my God. that's the story but as we're learning there was much more going on there i don't know if it's supernatural i don't know if it's cannibalistic it's kind of a little bit of a you don't know yet because it's they're slowly oh, revealing yeah. it but listen to this cast just the cast that we've seen so far christina ricci juliette lewis melanie linsky these are like power oh, yeah. hitter actresses and it's so good to see christina ricci and juliette lewis back um, yeah melanie, totally. melanie linsky has always been one of my favorite actresses she's one of those people that pops up in all your favorite shows and you always think she's good but you never know her name like she's yeah, got just course, like that yeah. kind of a thing it's only been two episodes and i already can't wait for like i want the whole thing like i want it That's awesome. right now amen very cool i can't wait to watch that uh, my final one is one that I was really, really waiting for, and it is Dune, which I also saw at Lighthouse. Dune um, is really fucking good. It's it's really, really good. The acting in it from literally everybody, every single person in this movie is out of the. It's it's out of control. Um, the special effects are fantastic. Um, the story itself is finally told in a way that like makes sense. Like, look, I love David Lynch. I do not like David Lynch's Dune at all. I think it's a it's an absolute clusterfuck, and the people love it. But I I am not one of those people. This thing like cleans it up, makes it tight. But the other part about it too is that Dune is not supposed to be told in one movie. It's supposed to be told in two. And so this does end with part one, and then part two will be coming out um, um, later on next year. It is a fantastic movie, a sweeping story. I, I just I can't say enough about it. Like my my jaw was open watching it. Um, it was it was beautiful. This is one that like look if you can go to the theater, like don't be a dummy. Don't watch us at home. Like if you have the chance to go to a theater, go to it. You need to see this on a gigantic screen if you can. Um, if not, I'm sure streaming is good too. But if, if you've got if you've got that chance, go to the theater. So it sounds like you've been on a little bit of a Timothy Chalamet kick. <laughs> Listen, I'm always on a Timothy Chalamet kick, as you well know. I love him. And you know what? He's beautiful in these movies, too, as you might imagine. Well, that was what you've been watching, bitch. Maddie's list included Spencer uh, and Dune, both seen at the Lighthouse Cinema in Dublin, Tiger King 2 on Netflix, and The French Dispatch, also at the cinema. And Andrew's list included Yellow Jackets on Showtime, Chucky on Sci-Fi, Only Murders in the Building on Hulu, and I Know What You Did Last Summer on Amazon. And I just wanted to shout out one more little thing, because this is something sure. that was kind of interesting, and I just wanted, it was on TV, so it kind of fits in this area, and I want to just kind of briefly discuss it with you. But um, so 
I have never, ever in my life watched a season of Dancing with the Stars. It's never been okay. something I've, I've watched. We decided this year because of a couple of the contestants that we were going to watch Dancing with the Stars for the first time. It's okay. season 30 of this show, first of all. So They've done 30 seasons of that show? Yeah. So, Holy um, shit. We just had the final, and I thought it was really interesting. So the way that this, this show is scored and the way people are kicked off is it's kind of a mixture of the judges' scores. So there's four judges, they score, and then it's also still one of those shows that you can call in and vote for people Uh, okay yeah it's kind of a popularity contest kind of a dance competition but it was really interesting the final four so the final four were a gay man cody rigsby who's a peloton instructor a queer woman jojo siwa who's like a pop star with like the you know tweens area a sure. black a black NBA player, Aman Shumpert, and then a woman, um, her name is Amanda Klutz. She actually lost her husband to COVID. She was a um, she's a co-host on the talk and she was on Broadway for a long time. But damn. look at look at those four people. That's do you pretty think, cool. Do you think those four people you would think America would vote to the top four? Well, you know, maybe that's a good sign of things of things happening. I just thought that was super interesting and it was not yeah. the way. Dancing with the Stars might be the barometer of social justice moving, <laughs> moving forward. Well, Andrew, thank you, thank you for that reflection. And folks, thank you for listening to What You've Been Watching, Bitch. We're going to move on now to our first film of the show, which is Twilight Zone, the movie. Did you ever watch the Twilight Zone? Boy, they were, they were scary. They were great. I loved it. You, you want to see something really scary? Yeah. Okay, pull the car over. Pull the car over? Okay. Don't scare me. What are you doing? Twilight Zone, the movie. Rated PG. Welcome back, everybody. It's time to spin some creepy tales as we talk about Twilight Zone, the movie. Maddie, why don't you give us a plot synopsis and some fun and stuff about Twilight Zone, the movie? It's the fifth dimension. Welcome to the Twilight Zone. Boy, I I can't do his voice at all, can I? No, I really can't. Um, 1959, Friday nights, we time traveled, witnessed surprising twists, entertained aliens, experienced fear, and first journeyed to the Twilight Zone of Rod Serling's memorable TV series. And guided by four imaginative movie makers, we traveled there again in 1983. Directors John Landis, Steven Spielberg, Joe Dante, and George Miller fashioned stories based on or inspired by classic episodes. Landis weaves the tale of a bigot who gets a walloping dose of his own hatred. Spielberg takes over with a fable of senior citizens offered a magical rejuvenation. Dante serves up a terror trip with a child who uses his cartoon-inspired powers to enslave his family. Then, Fright goes aloft with Miller's finale about a neurotic passenger who sees a monster on the jetliner's wing. Or does he? Twilight Zone, the movie, was directed by the people that I just mentioned, so go back if you didn't hear that. It was written also by John Landis, Melissa Matheson, George Clayton Johnson, Richard Matheson, Jerome Bixby, Rod Serling, and Robert Garland. It was produced by Amblin Entertainment. Oh, I remember Amblin. Uh, distributed by Warner Brothers. It was released uh, on June 24th, 1983. I was not even one year old yet. 
locations were really all around California. Uh, the budget was $10 million. It grossed $29.45 million. Uh, came from the U.S., of course, about 101 minutes long. Not too bad, given how much it had to cover. Rated PG. We hardly ever have those. And listen, for the cast, it, it has, as you might imagine, for four basically different little short films, an awful lot of people in it. So here's the top billing. for uh, First off, for Helen Foley, Kathleen Quinlan. For the passenger and the ambulance driver later on, Dan Aykroyd. The narrator, Burgess Meredith. John Valentine, John Lithgow. Car driver was Albert Brooks. Mr. Bloom was the wonderful Scatman Crothers. And Bill Connor was played by Vic Morrow. Um, So that is Twilight Zone the movie in 1983. Andrew, tell us what you thought about it. So Twilight Zone, the movie, I will say I have only seen select episodes of the Twilight Zone. So I've seen like the ones that everyone talks about pretty much. Um, okay. Um, but wasn't something that I like sat down and watched when I was a kid. Um, yeah, once sure. again, it was once again, one of those stupid kid things where you're like, oh, it's in black and white. That's not going to be good. You know what I yeah, mean? Sure. No, I get um, it. I don't remember when I watched this movie for the first time. I was telling Maddie before we started recording, I get this and Tales from the Dark Side mixed up a lot um, just because they both came out right around the same time. Similar anthology series. Um, I think with this one, um, I think it has I think it has like ups and downs, if I'm being honest. There's like some yeah. really high highs with some of the stories. And then there's the story in the middle. And it, it, it's not for me. I think that it ruins kind of the more... Um, the more horror part of this is Do you that mean the story about, about the old folks. Yeah. The Steven Spielberg one, it just feels like it doesn't belong with the other ones. Just in I, my personal I, opinion. I agree with you a hundred percent. I like the story. I just don't think it fits like in here and it kind of sure. like, it kind of drags on a little further than I wanted it to. And I, and to be honest, I kind of don't really understand like the message, like be young in your head, I guess is like the message. But <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Sure. <laughs> Except for the one kid who is, stays a kid and is is much older than all the other kids for some reason. Yeah, I, it's, it's just there's just a lot. But um, yeah, for overall, I really enjoyed this rewatch of it. Um, we can talk about some of the details of each story if sure. you want. But that's kind of my overall thing. Is I I think that it's got it up. It got ugh, it's got its ups and downs. But overall, I still really enjoyed the the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you on this. Um, I, you know, for me, the, the, the best stories are are one and four. I think that the bigot story is done really, really well. You know, even though, like, look, to our twenty twenty one ears, hearing the things that the guy says when he like loses yeah. the job and like comes to the bar and like talks to his friends, he says the n word, he says the k word, he says the g word, he says pretty much everything that can pack into like five minutes he says it um but it's 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 because they do that that when he goes to the land of like the nazis and then to vietnam and then to here and then to there and then kkk whatever it's because like he does that that when that stuff happens to him you kind of don't care about him yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, it's actually, it's really well done. And I really do love like how in that, in that first story, when he goes out for that cigarette, he just closes that door. He looks across the street and he sees, you know, die Jews like right there across the street. And, you're, and even you're caught by it. You're like, 
wait a minute, like in whatever city he's in in the 80s, did somebody really write that? And then boom, you're just like smack in Nazi Germany or in this case in in, in, in Vichy, France. Um, and it, it just kind of keeps going like that. I think that first one is just so well done um, that when it comes to the second story, which is the old folks, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? It's like, right. it's such a juxtaposition and like, it's also like, I mean, look, I like Steven Spielberg quite a bit that, that, that doesn't have anything to do with it. I think this one though, is just so Spielbergian that it's like, right. Oh man, the tone doesn't match. The pacing doesn't match. It's a lovely story. Like I don't mind the story. I'm just left wondering like, why did they choose this one to go in there? Yeah, I agree. It, it completely is, uh, it's void of kind of the scary, you know what I mean? Like it's Twilight Zone. scary about it. Yeah. I don't know. And I know Twilight Zone does kind of verge between like sci-fi and scary. So I can't really like say too much there, but I totally agree with you. It's just feels different. The thing is is though, and look, we're, we're, we're tearing apart a movie from 1983. Like they, they don't care anymore. But the thing that, that I would, that like kind of goes back to what you're saying now is that, that it's not scary. Right. Is let's, let's talk about the introduction first. Right. So the intro is Dan Aykroyd and Albert Brooks going in like a car on a road trip. And like, you know, Albert Brooks keeps turning off the lights and putting them back on to like, you know, say, Oh, isn't this scary and fun? It's actually kind of weird, but that's what he does. And then Dan Aykroyd's like, Oh, but do you want to see something scary? Like something really, really scary. And then when they pull over, you know, there's the, the alien face and there we go. So the movie starts with, do you want to see something really scary? And it ends with that too. Right. So that's just the thing is like, when we go to that second story, it's not really scary. Right. Yeah, no, I, I totally know. agree. I mean, it, it, it might, it might scare somebody that doesn't scare me. So my, my two favorites are the third and the fourth, right? Is that okay. the, that's the kid and the plane. The kid. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just think that that kid one is so, imaginative like it's just so out there and the way that he brings cartoons into the real world was just something i had never really seen before and i'll tell you the one um i forget her ethel right when she gets put into when she gets put into that tv and that cartoon starts that is like terrifying like hell world yeah so like, can, um, can you imagine like fucking like like that stuff like that stuff chasing you and not being able to escape right it's just terrifying um, it's gonna, don't worry it's gonna be in your dream tonight folks don't worry <laughs> um but yeah and i think the, the beginning is fun you know they're singing midnight special and it's like it's yeah. a cute little opening um the second one i i'm a little conflicted on because i, I do like the story but do you know the story behind the story Wait, the second. Wait, you mean you mean the first real story? Yeah, the guy, the 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 horrible, the guy. bigot, the bigot. Yeah. yeah. So, do you know about that? What that whole thing? I mean, I I don't know like the background of it. So, do you mean do you mean do, you mean, do I know like like why it was written or? No, no, no. Like what happened on set during this? No, tell me. So basically what happened, Vic Morrow, who's the main character, the, the okay. guy, he in the original story was supposed to have an arc where he was going to save two Korean children from Americans, from get them getting shot. Okay. Um, that was kind of supposed to be his like saving grace in the in the in the in the in the story. It ends okay. very differently, as you know. 
Sure. Um, because what happened is during that stunt, there was a, a helicopter that they were using. And during that stunt, something went wrong and the effect went off too soon. And the <gasps> helicopter whipped around and killed Vic Morrow and the two children. Oh, my um, God. And it was really bad. And they, Steven Spielberg kind of cut ties with John Landis after this because he said that he bullied his way through that production and he really oh, put a no. lot of people in danger. Um, they ended up paying, I think, Vic Morrow, like 12, Vic Morrow's family, $12 million and the kids' wow. families, like millions of dollars. Because get this, to get around child labor laws, he paid, was paying them under the table. Oh, um, my so God. A lot of really shitty things went on in that segment. So it's hard for me to get like a lot of enjoyment about it. I'm only kind of skimming the surface. If you want a really good wow. like, half an hour thing about this, you can watch Cursed Films on Shudder. Uh, they do a whole episode about it. So. I got to tell you, I'm glad that I didn't know that before watching it. Um, and and I've watched the curse films. I just, I don't think I've watched that one. So yeah, um, maybe or just don't watch that. And then just watch <laughs> Twilight Zone first, watch that later. Um, but then, you know, thinking of course about, about the last, the last story. Which really Nightmare, goes with our theme. Right, exactly. Nightmare 20,000. Um, really well done. Um, John Lithgow, I, I, I just, I think John Lithgow is one of, is one of the finest actors that, that America has. Um, and I think that he's done so many things. Well, I, I think, I think the best thing that maybe he's ever done was, uh, Trinity killer mm-hmm. on Dexter by, by, by fucking far. That was the best thing that ever happened on that show. Period with a T. Um, it was wonderful, and he was sinister. That's it. I still get scared thinking about that that particular season. Um, and he was great in this too. There, there. It's you know, it's really hard, I think, to act that level of anxiety for that long. It's like it's yeah. like when you see an actor play, like when they play drunk. Well, like when you're an actor playing drunk is very fucking hard. Because when you're drunk, like when you're really drunk, you actually don't know what the fuck you're doing. So sure. being being conscious of what you're doing and then like trying to like mimic it is is sort of the same thing of like when you have anxiety or when you're having a panic attack, trying to like emulate that for somebody when you're not having one, that's tough. It is actually a challenge. And I think John Lithgow does an incredibly believable job of that in that fourth story. Um, you know, look, I, I think too, like the, the, um, the story sort of like gives you a whole bunch of stuff on airplanes that no one likes. It's got, it's got the annoying kid. It's got, you know, the, 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 the bigger man, like just kind of being an idiot. Um, and and it's got people being loud and people being antsy. It's a little bit of everything that already makes you nervous on the plane. And there's a storm and he sees a monster on the fucking wing. Which, like, could you imagine right. that? You know, like how act, like how actually absolutely terrifying. Yeah. So you know, I just think that John Lithgow playing that level of anxiety for that length of time, it just says a lot about about who he is as an actor and what he can do. Um, and it, you know, in addition to all the things that I rattled off about, you know, how how many things on this airplane are already so anxiety inducing to look out and to see this monster. Um, on the wing of of the plane, just sort of like it just sort of like accumulates it all and then transmogrifies it into like this this terrible monster. Yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really imaginative. You know, it's not the first time this was done, of course, um, but it, it's just it's played so well. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And it's funny when you see the monster and he's having like the time of his life out there destroying this plane. <laughs> I know. It's like it's like it's like he's riding a horse or something. And he's like throwing things into the engine and he gets electrocuted at some point. And I will tell you, there is a moment in this in this last segment that always gets me every time. And it's when he's kind of uh, put the the shades down and he's finally succumbed to the um, flight attendants giving him the uh, sleeping pill or whatever. And he goes to open that thing and it's right there in the window. Yes. I mean, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah, you know, the, the Twilight Zone movie is, um, it, it works for the most part. It's just that there's so many different things, aren't there? It's a lot of themes. It's a lot of themes. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a little bit different than like Tales from the Crypt or Tales from the Hood or Tales from the Dark Side. The, the, those things tend to sort of like sort of flow into each other in one way or another. This one just doesn't do that. And so, you know, for me, like, I, I, it's, it's, it's super nostalgic to watch. I mean, it's from 1983. You see a lot of people that, like, you just, you just kind of love, right? Um, I mean, like, who doesn't love to see a young Dan Aykroyd? But, like, it just, in the end, like, even for the parts for me that, like, maybe they don't work all that great, it just still feels good to watch it. Yeah, no, I agree. This one, uh, unlike a lot of other anthologies, you know, that I think we've watched, this one feels more like four separate episodes rather than a, a, a complete story. If that I makes totally sense. agree, for sure. Um, I do think it's funny. Um, there's a couple things I wanted to point out. Um, I love the beginning of the last episode or the last um, segment where he says it could be the end of a nightmare. It isn't. It's just the beginning. I thought uh... that, that was really good. Um, I thought that it was funny that they put um, the little kid he in this third segment, he kind of gets his own meal every night because he does whatever he wants because he can pull things yeah. out of thin air. Uh, he puts peanut butter on burgers. And I'm here to tell you that it's delicious. Oh, so it's, try it's, it's actually yeah, it's actually wonderful. Um, I do like at the beginning of the third segment how everyone is just acting so manically, like trying to please him. I thought that that's really good. <laughs> um and uh, the, some little things from being from 1983, the smoking on the plane, please extinguish oh, yeah. your cigarettes <laughs> type of thing. Um, and then I, I do like um, the when the little girl kind of takes his photo and then as he's kind of like freaking out, the little girl's like, you big silly used to be a normal person. I'm just like, such like a little kid thing to say. Um, but yeah, overall, um, I think I actually we didn't call out the special effects. I think the special effects in this movie are yeah, they're dynamic fantastic. they're really yeah. good um from the creature design in the third um third segment to the monster on the plane it's all done really well um especially for 1983 oh without a doubt um i think that the first one the first segment i while i like it and i think it's clever i kind of don't understand what the what is going on um i didn't read anything to see if this was supposed to be like an alien or a demon or a ghost or like what this is because we don't get any backstory on those characters so it just was caught me off a little off guard where i was like wait what's happening yeah, well, there is a little thing that said, um, wait, what, what was this? We, we had it written down. Um, yeah, here it is. At a promotional event for his autobiography, John Lithgow was asked by a fan about the fate of his character in the last segment. He replied that in response to the driver's question of, you want to see something really scary? He would simply have said no. <laughs> and Dan, <laughs> the ambulance driver, would have just shrugged and driven into the hospital. That's I funny. Was pretty funny. I did, th I did like... Um... 
when he finally like gets the monster and like goes out the window to like shoot him. I know. Him, I know. Which I actually did read a story about a woman who went out a window like that, which is kind of insane. Jesus, that's crazy. Um, but she and she unfortunately lost her life because of that. But um, uh, yeah. Um, I like when the, the alien or the monster or whatever you want to call it kind of just like waves his finger at him. Like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's so ridiculous <laughs> and just flies away. But yeah, overall I had a really good time. This is a, this is a point in, you know, scary movies and horror movies in the early eighties where everything is just feels such, um, nostalgia and just yeah. such like, uh, they all feel the same. You know what I mean? Like they sure. all kind of feel the the same way um so yeah it was fun to watch um uh here at friday the 13th we judge on a seven stripe scale for the seven stripes of the rainbow uh maddie what did you give twilight zone the movie uh my main takeaway was that you know most of the stories they work and for the ones that don't that nostalgia factor takes precedence once again lithgow is amazing and i gave this a five and I said, um, the stories are a little up and down for me, but luckily they saved the best two for last. Um, I have to dock it for the insensitivities of the release. Um, yeah, sure. But, but overall, I think it was still fun to go in a nostalgia, nostalgia trip. Um, I gave this a 4.5. Well done. Well, folks, that is The Twilight Zone, the movie. Now hold on tight and buckle your seatbelts because we'll be right back with our next one. Guess what? It's also on an airplane. It's called Red Eye. Attention passengers, flight 1019 has been delayed. Oh, oh my God. Oh, I am so sorry. So are you on this very delayed flight to Miami? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You? Sadly, yes. Mm-hmm. That's why God created the Tex Mex. Best notches in the airport. CBC? Oh, uh. Hi. Hi. What do you have? To always looking forward. Cheers. Hi. That's actually my scene. You're kidding. You're not kidding. So what are the odds, huh? I know. You're not stalking me, are you? No. <gasps> so what do you do? Get your visine out because you've got red eye. (laughs) Andrew, tell us all about this movie. (laughs) Fear takes flight. 
After attending the funeral of her grandmother in Dallas, Lux Atlantic Hotel manager Lisa is waiting for a flight to Miami. Due to bad weather and consequent flight delays, she meets Jack Ripner, who's also on the waiting list. They sit together in the plane, and Jack reveals that he wants Lisa to change the room in Lux of an important American politician to facilitate a terrorist attempt against him. Otherwise, Lisa's family, or excuse me, Lisa's father, will be killed by a hitman. Lisa has to decide what to do with the menacing man at her side. This is directed by Wes Craven, written by Dan Foos and Carl Ellsworth. Production company was DreamWorks, distribution handled by DreamWorks. Lisa is played by Rachel McAdams. Jackson is played by Cillian Murphy. Joe is played by Brian Cox. And Cynthia is played by Jama Mays, along with a big cast of characters that we'll get into in just a second. yeah but like that listen like there's so many once again i was like listen you're getting those four because they're the main people yeah this is rated pg-13 it comes at a swift 85 minutes um it was released on august 19th of 2005 and locations included miami beach florida and los angeles california this had a budget of 26 million and it grossed 96.2 million which is crazy to think this was a hit for mr wes craven in his later life maddie what did you think of red eye um, so it, it had been a long time since I'd seen it. It, it might've even been since 2005. Um, yeah, you know, look, I, I think, I think it's a good story. Um, and I think that Killian Murphy and Rachel, uh, McAdams are fantastic. Um, and that they, they always are. I, I, I can't really think of a time when I really don't like them and things, things that they're doing. Um, and look, I like Wes Craven. One of the things that sometimes bugs me about his movies is the thing that bugs me about this one is that there's just kind of like this like little thin layer of easy cheese. And what I mean by that is like the boys on the plane. And the music sometimes in this movie drove me nuts. And even like that angry couple, which by the way, the dad of that angry couple in the hotel, he's also in But I'm a Cheerleader. And oh God. He, pl- he plays basically the same guy in basically the exact same co- costume. He I even think had- I read that the wife in that situation was like one of the VPs at DreamWorks. And yeah. Wes yep. Craven had met her and he's like, I think you'd be perfect for this role. <laughs> yep. And then she was in it. But if the, the, the dad too, well, the, the mean guy, he, he even wears a sweater over his shoulders in But I'm a Cheerleader, which I just thought was hilarious. So, you know, those are those are like the few things in in some Wes Craven movies that that drive me nuts. It doesn't mean that I don't like the movie. It just means that fuck. Like, who did the music for this movie? The music Mark, is Marco Beltrami. I don't I just don't like the way that that dude does it because it sounds so canned that I'm just like, actually, what if you just like did it? <laughs> like it would actually sound so much better and it would make them it would enhance the movie all the more. Now, listen, all that being said, I think the story is good. I think Killian Murphy, more than anybody else, makes this movie happen. He he knows how to absolutely be an, an incredible charmer. And then he knows how to turn on the evil right when you need it. And he does that. Um, and he does it so, so well. And I think that Rachel McAdams takes it so well. She she takes every, everything that he's giving. And, he, and she is absolutely ready to just give it right back. Um, this is a, a bit of a, of a, of a, of a cat and mouse kind of movie. It's just back and forth and back and forth. He, he tries, she tries, she tries, he tries over and over again. It's interesting because it gets played out in such a small environment, right? So like, there's just no room to do anything on a plane. Right. 
Right. And 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 it is it is kind of amazing to watch it happen in such a small space. Yeah, no, this one, um, I I really love this movie. I mean, it's no no surprise that most of Wes Craven's uh, later work I'm a big fan of, um, apart from like My Soul to Take, which is a piece of garbage. But, <laughs> um, I won't speak ill of the dead. Um, this movie is like his chance to do more of a thriller, which I think is really interesting because, you know, he's lived in kind of the horror world forever. And this is a little bit of a different departure for him. It's still got a lot of his tropes and I'll talk about those later on, but sure. it does like, it feels like a Wes Craven movie and, and, and it's a little bit more of a thriller, which I really appreciated. I think it's really smart. All of the moves that she tries to do are all really smart and rooted in like what you could actually do. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and there's no, there's not a part where I thought like, oh man, she really messed up or he really messed up. Or it was kind of like, they just kept catching each other in these moments, which yeah. I really appreciated. Um, I think that there's like this ensemble cast that I think just add to everything in this movie, because not one person that is introduced is not part of the overall plot. Like Every person from the guy she meets in line that is complaining to the um the yeah, desk person sure, sure. to kind of the little girl that's on the flight for the first time to those two guys you were talking about to the old woman that's reading the Dr. Phil book. They yeah. all have a hand in kind of the action of the movie, which you don't always see very often. This can no. be really easily just written off as like background characters. So I just really appreciated that. One thing I will say about this movie, it is very 2005. <laughs> yeah. There are lines like at the beginning where she's they're complaining to the front desk girl where she's like, I downloaded it from the Internet. I know. I know. <laughs> um, and, the, and the use of like flip phones and the, the fact that Dr. Phil is kind of the it moment. Um, oh, my the it God. Man. We all remember those days. Um, the one thing that I did find very interesting, and I'd have to go back to see when the original story was written, but this definitely didn't feel like an after 9-11 movie. If that makes any no, sense? No, it really didn't. Uh, because like there, there's not... There's not a sense in this movie of people being afraid on the airplane. I mean, except for like the normal being afraid stuff, like or like added security or anything no, like that. No, I mean, not not even in the airport. So that that felt a little weird. I'm just wondering if it was just written before 9/11 and just didn't get made until 2004, 2005. No, that that uh, that it's it's a really good point. I mean, listen, you I don't think making this movie around 9/11 was not going to happen. Yeah. No one no one was going to fund a hijacking movie in 2005. Right. Um that wouldn't happen until what like 2006 when they did um uh what what was it called? United 83. I yeah, think it I was. Think United 93, I think. Right? 93, yeah. So I, th I think that might have actually been like the first hijacking movie after 9 11. Um, so it took a solid six years. But yeah, that's a really good point. I honestly, I hadn't even thought about that. Um, yeah, keen, keen of you. Yeah, there's some iconic parts in this movie where, you know, the whole Seabreeze babies and, you know, exchange um, that comes back later because he's been following her for a lot longer than she knows. Um, I think what I think what really works in this is that it kind of starts off and you're like, am I in a rom-com right now? Like, what's what's going on? Because it's very rom-com at the beginning. Um, and then you get that kind of iconic Wes Craven moment that it's just like in Scream where he just says, 
just keep the focus on you and your father. And then everything changes from that moment on. It's just like the CC or um, uh, the beginning of Scream where he's like, I want to know who I'm looking at. Yep. Totally. Um, I will say that uh, the ending is a little bit of a retread of the iconic scene with Courtney Cox in Scream 2, where she's kind of being chased by Ghostface and they're hiding in corners and in the theater. And it feels very Scream 2 at the end. But what I did appreciate about the end is when she, <laughs> that the, when the violence violence gets ramped up in this movie, it gets ramped up. Like she fucking stabs him in the throat, yeah, <laughs> with a pencil. Um, she runs the assassin over into her house. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> and then, like, um, then there's like an exchange between her and you know our main uh, was it Jack. Uh, and they kind of go through the house and the dad. The only thing that I didn't like about the ending is that she doesn't get to save herself. Her dad actually ends up shooting the guy in the of end. Of course, yeah. Which I was like, Ugh, I kind of wanted her to have like her moment with that, but um, it just, it, it, was, it was fine. But it's just like kind of a little bit of a letdown because Brian Cox all he does is sit in a chair for the entire movie. And then all of a sudden he's like the hero. <laughs> so that's all that Brian Cox has to do. He's Brian Cox. Um, there are a couple of things <laughs> when he, he when at first when they have let the ball drop and he's talking to her about what she needs to do and how she needs to call the hotel. Um, she's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And he like gives her that little tiny thing <laughs> to go to the the little water bottle, the half water bottle to go to the bathroom. In. And I'm like, not even a man could go to a ba- <laughs> the bathroom in that little tiny bottle. Yeah, little, that, little woman. that was not going to happen. Um, I think it was interesting to see that we got kind of, um, a little bit of a defense ministry, like side thing going on, which yeah. I didn't expect going into the movie that this is going to be out like government hijacking, um, just kind of a weird thing for Wes Craven to be doing. Um, but I'll tell you a little, uh, a little thing about that, um, that side plot there. Um, do you know who the bodyguard was the main bodyguard? No, uh, uh-uh. So he actually got this part because he was in the second season of Survivor. He was oh, Bobby Donaldson on Survivor. And th- that's why you love this movie so much. Besides what's <laughs> great tied to Survivor. <laughs> of course. Exactly. Um, well, I'm, there's a lot of good lines in this movie. Um, I think, I think when she's trying to change the room and the senator or the security guard comes in and he's like, oh, this is our room. And she's like, oh, no, they changed it to 4080. And he's like, uh, no, we always stay in the same suite. And she's like, 4080 is a very nice suite. <laughs> like she doesn't know what to do because we have this poor character who's kind of taken a beating at the hotel and she's just kind of like doing whatever she can to help everybody out. But she's kind of like caught up in this whole thing. Um, I love that actress. I think she does a great job here, too. She's awesome. I mean, like, and she's very easily a, a role that could be thrown away. And it's not. She she does a really great job of of playing exactly what that role needed to be. Um, and I, I thought I thought she was wonderful in it. Truly. Yeah, and just like in a Scream movie, um, one of the final lines before she kills the guy is, not in my house. So I know. That's I very know. Sydney Prescott. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, there is kind of a little bit of a throwaway um, side plot that I don't know if you really noticed, but it's when she, she shows that she has that scar. Yeah. Um, that kind of, it comes up, but it's not, I don't know why that's in there to be honest well, with you. He, he, when, when they're in the bathroom, he asked her if, um, if she's been in this position before, cause he sees the scar 
And then eventually when she's like trying to like, I don't know, just like talk some sense into him. She tells him about when she was raped. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I remember that. I kind of forgot yeah. about that whole se- yeah. sequence. Um, but I mean, she- but that's a, that's a really good point is that like, I mean, I, I get why it's in there. I get why, why it's part of the writing. It, it, it makes total sense to me, but it is sort of so far under the radar that if you're, if you're not really paying attention, you will miss it. And it's one of those things that I don't think should necessarily be the case. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, did you notice that the name of the boat that they're going to um, launch the rocket launcher oh, off? Oh, I forgot of, it. I forgot it. What was it? It's called Rapture. Yes, that's right. That's right. And as soon as I saw Rapture, I was like, well, you know what this is going to be. I mean, come I on. did think that that was an interesting way of um, hiding the rocket launcher, how they had it on the fishing It pole. was smart. Yeah, it was totally smart. You know, the, I think that's one of the things that like is just is missing in the movie for me. And like, look, it's I I don't expect expect it to be there, but it's one of those things where I would love to know a little bit more about why this is happening. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but like, look, that that's that's not part of this, so I will grant that. That would be an added twenty minutes that maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right, right. Sure. And but but also it would be it would be so far down the rabbit hole that it would kind of be like, oh come on, enough of this. Yeah, and that's what I like about this movie. The story is very simple, like as complex as like. It, it is like comes out to be like the way they tell it. It's just very simple. Yeah, I totally uh, agree. I think that Rachel McAdams is like the prettiest she's ever looked in this movie. Like, I yeah. don't know. She's just very pretty in this movie. And, and you know, I think Cillian Murphy, he actually looks like Killian handsome. Murphy, Killian. Is it Killian? Yeah. yeah I've Killian. heard it both ways. Um, it's not. It's Killian. He's actually pretty handsome in this movie, which I don't always say for him. He's just got a very unique look to him. Oh, but in this I movie... Think- I think Killian Murphy is like one of God's gifts to us. I think he is so handsome and his eyes are like, they're like none other on earth, period. They're absolutely amazing. So speaking of that bathroom scene that you mentioned, did you know that when they, the first time that they did that, he accidentally knocked her out? And that's not a surprise. I mean, once again, they're in a very small space doing really physical stuff. Like that makes total sense. Yeah, there's a little thing on the on the DVD if you have one still, <laughs> where they kind of show the uh, that happen. Oh wow! <laughs> it's, it's on like their blooper reel. Um, but a couple other things uh, that we have here, you know, Wes Craven actually got married in the middle of shooting this film, which is really interesting. <laughs> I love that. That's so ridiculous. Um, Killian Murphy wanted this role so badly that he took a plane from England to Hollywood two days before his wedding. <laughs> To have lunch with Wes Craven, Jesus, um, yeah, and like, like and you, why did, I guess, why did Wes, yeah, why did Wes Craven give it to him? Like, like you, he was enamored with his eyes. <laughs> uh-huh, there you go. Um, yeah, I just think that this is like a really slick, fun, like mid two thousands movie that I could turn on anytime and I would have fun with it. It's nothing yeah. too deep, but I still really enjoy watching it. It's 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 a good thriller. It's it it is a lot of fun to watch. The story is tight and it absolutely works. I want someone to rescore the film, please. That's all yeah. that I'm asking. Can someone rescore this? Andrew, what was your main takeaway from Red Eye? My main takeaway is this movie is just pure fun. It's quick, it wastes no time, and the cast of characters really round out a smart movie. It is a little bit of a retread of previous Craven, but yes, do I, but it is a little bit of a retread of Craven. Yes. But uh, do I love it? Yes. <laughs> now, I love Wes Craven, love Killian and Rachel for sure. But as ever in his films, like I said earlier, just that little thin layer of easy cheese, it's not my thing. Um, but listen, like I've already said, rescore it and maybe I'll be happy. Uh, what did you score this film, Andrew? 
I actually had came in pretty high on this one. Um, I gave it a 5.5. I'm going to butt mine up just a little bit. I originally gave it a four, but I think I was being way too harsh. It was probably because I did it this morning when I was not in a great mood. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to give it a 4.5. I think it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And I mean, I think sometimes with some of these movies, us talking about it and like dissecting a little bit more, it just gives you either a little bit more of an appreciation or, or a little bit less. Yeah. Or sometimes a depreciation. <laughs> right. Totally. But all right. Well, that does it for Red Eye. Maddie, what are we finishing up our episode with today? We are finishing up with a final game. Are we going to take a little break first or you just want to keep going through? We'll take our usual break and be right back with, what are you calling it? What are you calling your game? This is, um, it's actually pretty simple. It's airport call sign. (laughs) That's all that it is. You will need to be seated in a brace position for landed. To brace, place your feet flat on the floor, cross your wrist, and hold on to the seat back in front of you. Rest your hands on your wrists. For those passengers seated in a forward row, that's row one and row four, place your feet flat on the floor, bend over, place your face in your lap, put your arms under your legs and grasp your elbows. All right, folks, we are back to close out the show. And as always, we have a little game for you. Now, I have a very clever name for this game. It's literally called the Airport Call Sign Quiz. So if that doesn't tell you exactly what we're doing right now, I don't know what else to tell you. So, Andrew, are you ready for the game? I'm going to tell you um, and warn our listeners, I'm probably going to be awful at this. (laughs) Well, you know, we'll see. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off what the call sign is. And for those of you that don't know, the call sign is the three-letter abbreviation. So, for example, in Dublin, it would be D-U-B. That's Dublin Airport. So I've got five of these ready for you now. I tried to pick some challenging ones. So we'll see how it goes. Don't be embarrassed. Just listen and choose the one that makes the most sense. So are you quick, ready quick for question, it? Quick question. Quick question before we start. Go ahead. Are these international or? They are both domestic to America and international. Okay. Okay. So the first one is LHR. Now, is it, I'm going to read off four choices for you. Is it Lisbon, Portugal? Is it London, Gatwick? Is it New Orleans, Louisiana, or is it London Heathrow? L A H R. That's what no, you said. L H R. L H R. Oh gosh. So is um, it Lisbon, New Orleans, London Gatwick, or London Heathrow? Oh, uh, is it Heathrow? You got it. L H R is London Heathrow. London Gatwick is L G W. New Orleans. I actually forgot what that is. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Okay. Next one for you is M C O. So M is in Maddie C O. And here are your choices: Is it Montreal, Canada? Oslo, Norway? Orlando, Florida? Or Manchester? In England, um, I'm going to go with the first one, Montreal. Okay, so this one is a really tricky one. It's Orlando, Florida, M C O. This is one of those ones that, like, you hear it and you're like, "What the fuck?" It makes absolutely no sense. Okay, yeah, I so it was O R D. Oh no, that's right, Chicago. Right. Never mind. <laughs> so, so the next one now. This one's also a little bit tricky. This one is B as in boy. N as in Nancy A. So B N A. Is it Naples, 
Sicily, Butte, Montana, Nashville, Tennessee, or Brussels, Belgium? Hmm. B-N-A. Is it Butte, Nashville, Naples, or Brussels? I'm just going to go, because of your clue, I'm going to go Naples. Okay, so you were really close. This one is actually Nashville, Tennessee. It's another one that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Okay, so next one is, and this one, I think you're going to know this one. This one is O-R-D. So here are your choices. Oslo, Norway. Ontario, Canada. O'Hare International in Chicago. Or Orlando, Florida. It's Chicago, right? You got it. That's okay. right. Good thing I know that. <laughs> is O'Hare. And the other big airport in Chicago is Midway. That is MDW. Now, the final one. Um, and this one, it does make sense. It does when you really think about it. So here it is. This one is P as in Paul, E-K. So P-E-K. Is it Phoenix, Arizona? Is it Beijing, China? St. Petersburg, Russia? Or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So P E K. And is it St. Petersburg, Philadelphia, Beijing, or Phoenix? I'm going to go with Beijing. You got it. Okay. So, I thought that, that sounded familiar. Yeah. So the reason why it's P E K for Beijing is that the name for Beijing is also what is it? What kind of duck might you like? I, that's why I said it, to be there honest. You go. <laughs> Peking duck. Peking, exactly. So P-E-K is the call sign. So listen, Andrew, you did pretty well. You got three of those out of five. And those are those are all fairly challenging ones. I mean, except for ORD, but that's also only because you live in Chicago. So I mean, that's well, a passing grade, so I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, well done, Andrew. Congratulations. You win the... Um, the respect of everyone listening. Congratulations. <laughs> so yeah, that leads us to the end of episode 66. Just a couple of things to wrap up the episode. Um, we are also part of Dread Podcast Network. So make sure to check out some other great shows on Dread Podcast Network, like the Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night, Kim and Cat Stay Alive, maybe. Uh, post our Podmortem, not Podmortem. Postmortem. Oh, postmortem with mcgarris and a lot of other great shows so um if you like us you'll probably like them so it's a shot i'm also i'm glad you said that because i was like the the mick the mick garris show the, the mick garris i can never i can never remember the name but god do we love mick garris um also folks you can call our hotline uh call the fry guy hotline at 872-208-3119 leave us a message you can say whatever the hell you want make it sexy make it scary We want it all. Once again, it's 872-208-3119. If you want to support Friday the 13th monetarily, you can become a patron on Patreon and buy merch at Friday13.com slash support. Um, I did accidentally, I didn't even, I haven't checked our Teespring account in a long time, and we actually had four people buy t-shirts. So thank you to those people. Thank you, people. Also a reminder from our last episode, we announced this as well, but we won the Discover Pod Award. Um, really, really happy to be an award-winning podcast now. Uh, thanks to your votes and the votes of some very kind people. So we won Best LGBTQ Culture Podcast, and we are still proud of that. 
Yeah, and we also debuted right around Halloween our new video series um, that is all cartoons of our openers. They're pretty funny. Uh, you should go take a look at those. You can find those on Friday13.com slash video or search for Friday the 13th Horror Podcast on YouTube. We do have some new patrons, so thank you very much to our new patrons, Drunk Dish and Derek Mallory. It's absolutely wonderful that y'all have come on to support our little tiny podcast that could. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, uh, I know that Drunk Dish, um, they went away for a little bit because they stopped their podcast for a little bit. And I think yeah. they're coming back. So they, they rejoined God. the Patreon, which is great. And Derek is a really great supporter of us. Yeah. He, came in, he came in later than some of our other listeners, but did what needed to be done and Thanks, got Derek. on that Patreon and also left us a review and just like communicated with us on social media yeah, which is really awesome folks so, also you know don't forget just like derek did to go leave a review if you can it's super easy to do and if you've been listening to us for a while especially talking to you folks go to apple Podcasts right now or whatever you listen to us on and just go leave that review smash those five stars as the kids say and write down a couple of words because nothing helps a podcast more than the words that you leave about it for people to read. Trust us on this. People will listen to you based solely on reviews. Um, so if you can do that for us, we would really, really appreciate that. And speaking of appreciation, we would appreciate you to get slayed. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp.